The following episode of Fofop is rated MA. It contains alternating hosts, a rotating roster of guests, and mild course language. Fofop advises that it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15, or anyone who came here looking for one of those highbrow NPR-type podcasts. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deeg speaking. Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and what do you reckon? What do you reckon? Who do you reckon my fucking guest is? It's Justin Hamilton, of course, because it's a hamophob. Mm. What I've realised, hamo, um, hello, by the way, <laughs> is... Hello. I am, outs- I am outside yeah. because this is the best place to record um, so the dogs can kind of wander in and out and hopefully not to make too much of a fuss. That is my hope. However, it's fucking windy and it's cold (laughs) (laughs) that's what i've realized as we sat down to record this is like there's a very cold breeze and i'm not dressed appropriately for the cold breeze so anyway we will we will persevere we will push through i I don't want to is it too early to say we're heroes we're we're heroes because you you are also justin hamilton (laughs) on this podcast at some stage and we'll get to talk (laughs) um are not well Either. You're not feeling the best today either. Look, it's fine. Like, once upon a time, this would have been, if I felt the way I did now, say, seven years ago at the Melbourne Comedy Festival, I would have said, God, I'm really coming through this festival with flying colours. But... Yeah, I feel great. It's week four yeah. and I feel like this. This it's is uh, a complete and utter win, but I've been doing gigs recently. I had a gig tonight and uh, I woke up this morning <laughs> with a with a dry cough and I was a bit achy. Yeah. And look, it might just be that it's been warm in Sydney for the first time in a couple of years. So, you know, maybe it's just the body adjusting or whatever, but... Uh, I got so angry at someone who caught up with me earlier this year uh, when they were still dealing with the flu. I can't be a yeah. hypocrite. So I had to go and get the the proper test because guess what? The rats came up negative and uh, I didn't want to, uh, you know, be responsible for taking down nine Sydney comedians through me being, yeah, yeah, everything will be fine. Well, here's the thing. You say you can't be a hypocrite. You absolutely can be a hypocrite. Most people are being hypocrites. Right. So <laughs> it turns out that we live in a world where absolutely 100% you can be a hypocrite. But what I would say is that you are absolutely doing the right thing. In fact, I have been on this accidental health kick for most of the last couple of yeah. years. And the real reason is exactly what you were saying earlier, is this idea that I want to know that if I feel shit... Yeah. <laughs> Should I be going to get a test, right. right? Like Because I've just had to take out all the other things that might make me feel like shit so that I know, like, am I feeling like shit because I had a big night yeah. out or I have been, like, talking to someone in a bar at 4 o'clock in the morning or am I feeling shit because, like, you know, I have this virus that is sweeping the planet. And so what that has meant, and this is a great way to curse it, uh, particularly as I have to travel on a couple of mm-hmm. aeroplanes in the next mm-hmm. couple of days, uh so far, I have not even had any COVID-like symptoms. Like, I haven't had the scratchy throat or the, you know, the, any anything that you would consider was a COVID-like symptom where I was like, fuck it, I better, I better do the right thing. I better, like, yeah, do this mm. test and stay inside. Because so I felt shit for about yeah. 20 years. 
And it turns out it was Absolutely. all my fault. Yep. <laughs> that is not a surprise. Uh, take two of these, two of these, and two of these, and guess what? I am definitely not a doctor. <laughs> I mean, that has been the big yeah. realisation. Like, even in regard to the pain in my hips, which is substantially less than it has been, you know, three, four, five yeah. years ago. Um a lot of that's just to do with mm. lifestyle choices. Like, you know, when like your doctor says, also, oh, you know, take these pills and do this thing and you can get this inject- injection. But what you really got to do is like make some lifestyle mm. changes and you're like, well, where's the injection? What time am I booked yeah. in for the injection? Whereas it turns out when you actually make lifestyle changes, it, they knew what they were talking look, about. It does look, help. Uh, what I really appreciate is that there was a point in your life where you weren't feeling great and you thought, you know what, I have to deal with this. And the first thing you did was cut out exercise. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Nothing else. You thought, you know what, I'm going to get rid of this. <laughs> well, that's not entirely uh, true. Like I exercise very regularly. I've done, hang on, I'm going to look at my steps today and see how many steps I've done today. And I haven't gone out of my way to do any particular exercise, but I did have to do some gardening and a few (laughs) things today. I've done 21,521 steps at 610. That's exercise. And I did gardening and I like burnt some wood and stuff. Like I made a little wood fire and I... No, not a euphemism, just an actual thing that I did. I made a little pile and a, made a little fire and I put some yeah. things on the fire. Yeah. That's exercise. I'm just yeah. not going to a gym. I get that. I'm not going to a gym ever again, even though uh, I have a bone to pick with you, which is not just with you, but with oh, the okay. awful listeners of this podcast who I've... Oh, yeah. Well, Good people. Were Good they, loyal people. They, 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 listeners. I, I used to yeah. love them, but geez, I am copying a lot of fucking George Costanza comments online. And uh, mm. Don't fight it. I'm, Embrace I'm, it. I'm getting in Become touch with it. my lawyers. I am. I'm taking notes. I'm taking all of them to to court for defamation. Yeah, this sounds. This sounds very much like something. George what are you talking about? Take his critics. <laughs> <laughs> take his critics to court <laughs> to sue them. <laughs> that's that's Damn. very Costanza. Damn! What a disaster. Well. I even got a haircut. I asked for a um, Eddie Vedder slightly past his uh, height of his popularity singing wish list when you wish he was still doing even flow haircut. How do you feel? How do you feel like that's turned out? Pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like you got what you asked for. That's what I would say. (laughs) I got got what I asked for and what I could work with. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, that's good. I like that. I, um, here's what I will say. I know that you, yes, like, but being Fick Costanza feels to me like, you know, there's like Twitter accounts that are like Seinfeld 2022 or whatever, <laughs> yeah. like, and so they take yeah. modern day things and they give them a Seinfeldian twist. Yeah. Like, Fick Costanza. I mean, that's that's a Twitter profile. Okay. That might be the next... I, I can imagine, like, if you had a TikTok account where you just, like, worked out heaps and then in between related your Costanza-like adventures yep. and you just build it fit Costanza, <laughs> then I think, that, I think that would take the internet by storm. I have been uh, looking for a reason to get on TikTok mm. because I was finding that I was having a bit too much spare time to worry about real things in the world. So maybe this is a good way to fill in those, uh, fill in those gaps. I've I've made the call. I'm um, going off social media 
Right. I'm going off all social media. So I'm going to uh, – so by the time people hear this, uh, we will have hopefully both done the show on Sunday at the Athenaeum, uh, the final night of Logical that you're doing support for. Hope yep. it went well. Yep. Um, and I hope you were there. Yep. I, think the, <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think the support went well until the moment someone yelled out Fit Costanza and he leapt from the, from the stage and did 124 push-ups and then took up all his time and didn't do any stand-up. I mean, again, Costanza. Costanza. That's what you could read. Yeah. Fit Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> so just so can we can avoid legal issues yeah. so Seinfeld doesn't sue yeah, us. He will too. Um, he probably would too, actually. Yeah. So here's what I would say mm. is um, I hope people came along and I hope they enjoyed that show. Mm. But I think what they would enjoy more is you being on TikTok doing Fit Costanza and me not being on social media at all. So now when the uh, when the show is over and my plugs are done, I am going to go to full official social media. So, like, there'll still be, you know, clips of my stand-up and, you know, clips from the podcast and, um, you know, content. Mm. Like, you know, uh, like, it'll be a place to promote other content that I'm making. But I had a period recently... Um, where I only just for a few days was completely off most of the social media. And it's it was amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I you know, it was just the way that it cleared my head, the way that it gave me capacity to focus on other things, the way that it even, like, oh, man, like... I haven't really concentrated on something for ages. You know me, I'm very multitasker, you know, um, when it comes to listening to TV shows and, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> writing on my computer. Yeah. But once you're off social media, because what I think I'm doing a lot of the time is, like, I'm working, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm working on something. Like, I'm watching this show, but I'm also working. But what I realise I'm mostly doing is flipping through social media and kind of pretending that I am working. Mm. I'm done with, like, soaking up everybody else's opinion on things. Right. It's great. I'm glad there's so much, like, stuff out there, and I'm glad people have ways to express themselves. But I don't want to be, like, that older guy hanging around the party who's outstayed his welcome. And, like, I mean, Sam Pang is inspiring to me because Sam Pang has no social media, Mm, right? Yeah. People like Sam Pang. Yeah. Like, people know that Sam Pang's doing shows. Yeah. Like, it, it's fine. People don't go, what's have you been paying attention? Because Sam Pang didn't plug it on Twitter that day, right? Right. So, what I'm basically saying is, I'm quitting social media. Yeah. So, there you go, guys. If you don't see me on social media, or if you want to try to contact me on social media through my social media accounts, it will not be me anymore. And it's probably the best self-love, wellness-inspired thing because I, I've, I've um, been working on this project and I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the effect of all these things on us. And one of the things that I really, it made us its slave without asking us permission. Mm. And I'm not sure that it demonstrates in return the good that it does us is the truth of it. Right. Like at the start, I think like doing jokes on Twitter and like, you know, these sort of things you could build a career around. Yeah. Like, it, it was a place to be, but 
doesn't feel like that reward is there for many people anymore. Like most people are just going to work in the content mines every day for the profits of fucking Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, you know, giving them all your data and information without any particular tangible rewards in return. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing for people to be doing. Like, you know, for some people, it's probably a really good thing to get their stuff out there, you know, like get people to pay attention to you in the first place. But I don't know, at our age, you know, when you just see someone our age starting doing TikTok and they've decided to try to do it like a young person does TikTok and you're just like, I'm not here to judge what anybody's doing. Like, do your own thing. But I just know that when I see that, I'm like, I don't want to be doing that. I don't want people to be seeing me doing that and thinking about me what I'm thinking about them. (laughs) You just encouraged me to start a a TikTok account. Yeah. Well, you're my exception (laughs) to most rules. Right. (laughs) All right, Jerry. Uh, (laughs) Now, I agree. I I would gladly get off social media. I think if you, you know, like you and Sam have uh, high profile jobs that uh, allow you to stay in the uh, public's uh, consciousness. Unfortunately, I kind of do a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So it's kind of a necessary evil for me. But uh, what I try to do is, you know, I, I did take... Uh, Facebook and Twitter off my phone quite a few years ago and uh, you know that's why when I watch a movie or I read a, a book you know the phone is actually away and it is uh, a I, huge okay. I'm gonna re- I'm, I'm gonna reframe what I said what I'm actually gonna try to con- concentrate on and I think this actually leans into what it is that you do is fill my social media with content that I enjoy making in other forums. I love making the podcast. Like, you know, and if we have more video from the podcast that I can post on social media so people can see it and discover the podcast in its longer form, absolutely. Like if I could have more stand-up that I could have on my YouTube channel and it could play across my social media channels. Like I'd actually be – I think at the moment – I'm not using it in the best way. I guess that's probably a better reframing, which is I'd just love to go back to concentrating on making things I like and then using social media as a distribution system for these things that I like rather than the actual TikTok or Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it would be, Mm. be kind of – the thing, yeah. like I'd rather make the thing and then it can go on all those things. And if you're whatever one of those you're on, you can find it. Yeah. But I'm not a TikTok guy or I'm not like a Twitter guy or I'm not like a Facebook guy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Maybe uh, who, who are you going to uh, get to look after all your stuff? Maybe is there someone with a with a certain profile that you would like, that you would trust? Is there someone that you trust 90% and 10% you'd always be a bit fascinated to see what trouble they caused you by liking the wrong thing or or putting up the wrong thing or putting something up in the slightly wrong context? Or do you just want to go crazy and get someone who is totally wrong for your brand and say, go for gold, son? Ostentatious. Perfect. He feels like he's lively on Twitter. He is. (laughs) Um, here's what I would say is I've, I've thought this through a few times. Yeah. So there was the thing that Tignataro did, which I absolutely loved because one of the things that I would miss about a personal Twitter is quite a lot of the time what I do on Twitter is just retweet younger comedians or people that I like and try mm-hmm. to just share something that is good. Yep. And so I was thinking, well, if I'm not going to be there to do that, like I would still like to be able to support those people. And I thought, so Tig did this thing where every week she would have a different comedian 
Like, so I've got like, you know, half a million Twitter followers. Well, I don't know how many of them are active, but like, you know, like there's like still a substantial audience there, like a bigger audience than most of yeah, these comedians that I would be offering it to would have. Mm. Like, is there some value in saying to Nikki Britton or what, whoever mm. it might be, you can have my 500,000 people for a week. Yeah. And, you know, you, I, I, you're not going to pretend to be me. We will say, like, you know, Sam Taunton is, like, doing Will's uh, Twitter this week. But it yeah. just gives them an opportunity to show maybe a new audience that they're fun and funny and re-engage my feed a little bit more and use it as a place to, like, showcase newer comedians. So there's part of me that, like, likes that as an idea, but there's part of me that's also very aware that sometimes there are just certain groups of people who have a problem with something that is that I have said or done who come after me on social media and I'm not sure it's fair to let younger comedians see that. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like yeah. it it feels like it might put them off a bit too much to see the vitriol and particularly because I have a couple of projects where I have some thoughts around vaccines and it turns really? out that's quite a controversial topic online. Yeah, right. And um those projects are going to go to bigger audiences than just my stand-up crowds, you know, who... Yeah. Like, you know, I, it's rare that I have a problem with what I'm saying with my stand-up crowds. A, because they've come to see me and they know what to expect, but B, because we don't let people in who are vaccinated. So it was right. a pretty easy way to get people <laughs> not to complain about those jokes. But, yeah. um, but when those projects go to places where people who are not vaccinated can watch them, I my... Like, part of the reason that I'm stepping away is I don't think that I can say what it is that I want to say in the way that I want to say it if I'm getting feedback from the people who are mad about it. Like, I just think I know that it will end up being hundreds or thousands of messages and I'll go on lists for these groups and they'll dox my pages and send me, you know, disgusting stories and all these sort of things. I know that because I've it's happened before and, and you know, I know the world in which we live. So I'm not sure that... So if there was some way of doing those two things where I could have, like, an official person just to respond to the anti-vaxxers yeah. and then maybe, like, a way for these young comedians to just log in and do my internet. Maybe, I don't know. Do you think, like, a younger comedian would think that was a good opportunity or would they think that that was a dumb idea? No, I think they'd see it as a good opportunity. You'd have to do something that uh, – they'd have to do something that engaged with your career because people are following you. So you don't want them – you don't want the people who follow you to kind of miss what's going on and then be a bit, hey, come on, I follow Will Anderson here. Why am I getting all this uh, – stuff from insert name of comedian so maybe they could be yeah. doing a, a I contrast care. i don't care about that oh okay then <laughs> well then uh, i see no problem at all <laughs> I, I think it's good Whatever. to go grow, grow up i'm doing something i'm doing something like i was about to say i'm doing something new with the format but i'm really gonna do what tig nataro did yeah. and no one else seems to have done so tig did it first yeah. but that doesn't mean that at least one other person couldn't do it right well i'm also yeah it's only one for god's sakes it's uh mm. you know it's not like it's a movement but uh but i'm just thinking more about them getting feedback so if they maybe maybe yeah. if like monday to tuesday they uh, showed bits and pieces of stuff that they liked that you'd done in the past and then that segues into the rest of the week, them promoting their stuff. So they, you know, win over, win over the audience and then take full advantage of it. Well, the way that I was thinking more that you would do it is that you would say, 
like you'd have to have a little plan with it. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, so, but basically, so say we've just done a week in Nikki Britain and then Sam Taunton's going to be the next week just because they were the two names that I threw out originally. Yeah. So at the end of Nikki's week, I'm joining this story midway through just to explain how like a transition would work. But at the end of Nikki's week, she sort of passes over. She's like next week on the, um, you know, on the Twitter feed, Sam Taunton's going to be taking over. Here's a tweet of Sam's. Here's a clip of Sam's. Yep. So you know who's kind of in charge of the Twitter feed. And then yep. we change change the thing and you pin, like the top tweet, you'd pin it as this week, you know. This Sam week Totten on, is, this week you know, on know, Will Anderson blah, blah, blah. Twitter Live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I like that. I think that's a good idea. Keeps things rolling and you can still use it to promote uh, your own stuff and you're generating contact through, uh, content through other people, which is great. That's what older people do. They use the younger people to... Uh, exploit younger people. Yeah, it's working Offer perfectly. them an opportunity and then exploit Oppor- them to re-energise my yes. social media career. Yes, an uh, opportunity in inverted commas. I think you're fine with this is what we call a win-win, Nikki. Yeah. So, come on. I can't believe she's already complaining about it. She hasn't even done the first week uh, yet. I, Nikki Britton, by the way, um, I'll just give her a bit of a plug because she's in Edinburgh at the moment. Actually, is right. Sam Taunton in Edinburgh as well? I, I think maybe know. he might have gone. I haven't seen I, Sam I thought ages. he was going overseas. Yep. But um, both very funny comedians if they are there. But I, I, I do know that Nikki is in Edinburgh. And I know that recently Maria Shriver uh, like uh, posted an Instagram clip of Nikki Britton doing stand-up comedy. Oh, like, really? Like, you know, kind of like a, yeah. That Maria Shriver, yep. the Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah. ex-wife, Maria Shriver. Are you a member of the Kennedy clan? Maria Shriver? Yeah. I mean, that's not something, if you're Nikki Britton, you would have imagined yeah. on your bingo card of things that were going to happen, would be. When you were watching that Sapruda film uh, over and over again, you never <laughs> thought there would be a direct uh, correlation at some point, did you? It's exciting. I mean, Nikki Britton now does have six... Like, I reckon she could do six degrees of separation to the Zabruder footage. <laughs> to Lee Harvey right? Oswald. <laughs> right, yeah, basically she could. <laughs> Amazing. You guys ever played six degrees of Lee Harvey Oswald? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the first degree is a quite a direct one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, I don't yeah, know who on. else is over there. I think maybe uh, Angela Fopier is over there as well. So, okay. um, yeah, because everything's still fractured, it's you, you can't tell if someone's got COVID or in Edinburgh. <laughs> so, I have no idea. <sighs> I mean, it is so hard to know what is going on. And I even, I think that was actually even part of why the social media doesn't have the appeal that it had because. I'm super happy for all my friends who are in Montreal and in Edinburgh doing these comedy festivals. Like, I couldn't be more excited for them. And But there's also a part of you that's just like, oh, fuck, fuck off. Like, do you know what I mean? That's my equivalent of somebody, like, in their bikini on like a, you know, a beach, like having like you know, one of those like shots of like, look at the great life that I lead. For me, it's right. like a whole bunch of comedians sitting around in some toilet that they're all waiting to go on stage at some festival. And I'm just like, Oh God, I wish I was there. I can't have this rubbed in my face. Wow. Imagine if they were in bikinis yeah. in a toilet waiting to go on stage. Have- I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. In fact, some of the comedians I follow probably that, that, <laughs> that there probably has actually been, uh, photos of them in bikinis. I mean, Bert Kreischer never even wears a shirt. I mean, right. a bikini would be him dressing up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, it's funny. The uh, I keep thinking that uh, I would like to have a holiday at some point because it has been roughly seven years yeah. and it's very difficult to know where you would like to go. <laughs> and it's, uh, well, maybe my, my lounge is comfy. That's over there. I don't need to do anything for that. But it'd be nice to go somewhere beyond the lounge. My passport's expired. I have to get a new passport. Right. It expired when COVID was on. And so I have to, like, I, so, and they say it's a long wait to get a new passport at the moment. So the idea of going overseas is not something that I even would be capable of doing if, if I wanted to. So yeah. I, I got my passport done uh, a few years ago. And mm. uh, would it be bad to show you the photo over Zoom? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I think it's I think it's okay. I don't yeah. think anyone's going right. to intercept this Zoom and steal your passport details. Hopefully. All right. Well, you, we all let's all remember this moment when suddenly I'm up on charges <laughs> for taking down the Cuban government. But um, this is so. The thing that always fascinates me is they always tell you to take off uh, your glasses, but I yes. always wear my glasses. So it right. never. So anyway, my pass. And as we all know from watching Superman. Just putting on a pair of glasses makes you absolutely indistinguishable from the original person. So how could they? Right. How could they enter, identify you? You're like a different bloke. Right. So who the fuck is that guy? I look. Oh my god. I look like a thug. I look like I'm about to. You know who I look like? I look like the guy that Tony Soprano sends to do a job on at three a.m. on a on a. Sunday morning. No, you know who you look like. Oh, here we and go. This is Fuck, here I mean. we go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why did I open myself up to this? All right. You know I'm not feeling well. All right, say it. Just get on no. with it. Why why are you holding so, back? Come on. I'm ready. Did you ever watch the long running Australian uh, soap opera that has sadly come to an end in neighbours? Yes. Do you know who uh, Dr. Carl Kennedy is from Neighbours? Yes. If in that show, which I'm sure is a storyline that they probably would have in that show, he had some mysterious son who like appeared, who like was looking for his real dad. Yeah. That, that is the photo. You look like Dr. Carl Kennedy from Neighbours, like tough looking son. It's, yeah. it's such, you, and you look like 29 or something. Like it's oh. really weird. Well, that's not too bad. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll take the glasses yeah. off. <laughs> I, no, you look like, uh, no, you, you look like a, like... Yeah, someone who's in their mid to late forties, <laughs> um, <laughs> playing a twenty-nine-year-old. Right. Like it does. <laughs> right. It's like it's like they've used de-aging technology or something, right? Like it's. Yeah. But it's def. I never would have said in a million years that you have any resemblance to Dr. Carl Kennedy from Neighbours. Like looking at you right now, there yeah. is nothing about you and Dr. Carl. But that photo, you look like the son of Dr. Carl. Yeah, now I'm kind of... Dr. Dr. Carl Jr. Yeah, Carl Jr. from the other side of the crescent. Like, uh, <laughs> that's my new series. <laughs> it's a spin-off from Neighbours. So it'll go for another 20 years. I mean, that would be great, right? If yep. Dr. Carl Kennedy's son came into town, yep. bought the house, because I think that was the plot line of the end of Neighbours, was they were selling all the houses on Ramsey Street. So the long lost son comes into town. Yeah, he buys the house, and that's your that's your reboot. Yeah, start Dr. cooking Carl meth, Ju- and the they back. call it Doctor Carl Junior. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this week on DKJ. <laughs> DKJ. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. That's modern. Yeah, yep. right. This this is like your gritty reboot of Neighbours. 
You know, yeah. so it is very much like a, a darker Riverdale style, like, you know, like, you know, reimagining of the neighbor's universe. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of reimagining of universes, did you see this news today about the. Batgirl movie? Oh, yes. So I have been uh, following this um, pretty closely over the last 24 hours, and it's uh, it's quite fascinating. So there is a podcast... Good. Run me through it, because I, I, I didn't even know they were making a Batgirl movie, right. and then I saw that they're, like, headlines that they've cancelled the Batgirl movie. So tell me what's going on. So essentially, it's uh, so there's a new um, Flash movie that's been com- coming out for quite a while, which you know, early re- Flashpoint. Flashpoint is that yes, okay, with uh, the very problematic Ezra Miller, but it is also starring uh, Michael know. Keaton I as mean, Batman. I'm, hey, mate, just because right. you get arrested. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you are guilty of the crime. I myself have been arrested. Uh, all right. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you are like guilty of what you've been arrested for. Like yeah. sometimes it is mistaken. And sometimes, you know, in Ezra Miller's case, they have been arrested time and time again for incredibly similar circumstances. But it doesn't mean they're guilty of doing those things. Oh man, all you, you elites hang together, don't you? Well wow. Yeah. Imagine all mates. <laughs> I'm lobbying for a party flashpoint. Yeah, well, there, there might be a point. There might be a, a, a spot. It might be the Flash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Flash. The, great news, guys. The Flash has managed to do twenty-one thousand steps today while gardening. So, it's a, it's a, it's the opposite of a gritty reboot. It's a, a grubby, a grubby reboot. <laughs> a grubby reboot. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so yeah. So Ezra Miller is the the lead. Yes. Uh, the the title character. Yes. The Flash, and yeah, Ezra Miller. They have been going through some like if the reports are true. Yes. Some really terrible behaviour. Yeah. So so it's which makes it quite difficult to launch a major movie franchise off the back of that. I'd imagine. So this was uh, meant to be a way to finally get the DC Universe into a position where it could compete with the uh, Marvel Universe and uh, it seemed like uh, Batgirl was going to be uh, fitting into this post-Flashpoint universe. Now, it is a $90 million movie and uh, recently what's happened is that uh, Discovery has uh, bought out uh, HBO and Warner Brothers and all of that and they're thinking about amalgamating uh, Discovery and HBO Max together and they're trying to cut back on about $3 billion in deficit and what they did was they looked at this bat... Can I just say, is Discovery... The nature documentaries, people. Yeah, and the reality, you know, they have a lot of reality kind of stuff on there. And um, it's fucking, that's a ballsy move by like the nature documentary people, though, isn't it? Like, that they've they've become such big players. It's fucking nature, bitch. Yeah. Fucking. Videos of lions. Yeah. You can't compete with that, can you, HBO? Well, you really can't. Well, so I think HBO would still be its own thing, but HBO Max might become a a panel on the Discovery page or vice versa or something like that. But anyway, they're about $3 billion in debt, and what they've realised is that this movie that is a $90 million blockbuster is not expensive enough to be an event at the cinema, but it's too expensive to be just for TV. So they can save money by 
cancelling it and getting the uh, insurance back on it instead. And that's the but decision have, that's have, been made. Have they, have they made it? Yeah. It's like it's pretty much close to being completed. They've already done uh, viewings. Uh, some reports have said that it's fine. Uh, you know, it's just low stakes. But, you know, it's a movie that had Michael Keaton, J.K. Simmons, uh, Brendan Fraser, Leslie Grace is uh, as the new... Batgirl is an up-and-coming star and they have just decided to write it off because you can't have a superhero movie with low stakes. They all have to be something that finishes with a big CGI ending because the world's about to end. I mean, but imagine if you did make a superhero movie that had low stakes and it reinvented the genre. Yeah, well... Imagine, <laughs> and we will, because we're not going to see this imagine, movie. <laughs> imagine that people are sick of third acts that all look the same, where they fight some fucking CGI yeah. monster that has the exact same powers as the person. Yeah. Coincidentally, the exact same powers yeah. as the person that they are fighting. Yeah. Like, that is the trope of all of these fucking movies. Yes. Like, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about Superman. Which is weird for me. I'm not really like a, as you know, I don't trust aliens. Don't like them here. Yeah. Put the board, put the, build a wall, I say. Yeah. Build a wall around the planet Earth. Yeah. Stop the aliens from coming in. Build a kryptonite wall. Yeah. I, and I'm going to get, you know what? Who I'm going to get to pay for it? Krypton. Yeah. Krypton, Krypton's going to pay for it. Yeah. Hate to tell um, you this, they're not around anymore, but I understand the, the theory. Okay. So here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I think that the Superman movie, again, I've said this before, but I was thinking about this the other day when I was thinking about Superman and how I would reboot Superman. And at the heart of Superman for me is always that idea that the real stakes are having to choose between two situations where there's going to be a bad result either way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, so... Do you go and like rescue that plane that's about to crash? But if you do that, then you have to neglect the people who are going to get mowed down by the train or whatever it might be. And then hopefully you come up with some sort of way of Superman to solve both problems. Yeah. But he has to like be clever about it. Yeah. He has to use more than just his superpowers. He has to use like his connections or his like, you know, cunning or his like, you know, wit or his whatever it is that he can also possess as this Superman. Um, you know, to solve the other thing at the same time. But they don't have to be – you don't have to find another super being for Superman to fight. Right. Because the, th the real thing that you just want to set up is that he wants to help people and you can't help everybody at the same time. It's a really simple premise. Yeah. Like what if a super alien came to Earth that could help everybody but, of course, so many bad things happen at the same time that he can never help everybody. And if you want to tell like a – story about his torment then explore that explore what it's like to be a person who could if he worked 24 hours a day just saving people because this is also the thing about superman right like if he didn't fucking go to work and pretend to be clark kent like he'd, he'd say like i mean really he's leaving a lot of lives on the table every day when he's going into <laughs> right. the daily planet right like if he yeah. just spent those same hours he's spending in the office like in yeah. China or India or somewhere saving people, then he's saving other lives. So exploring that idea that how do you live a life where you have to decide who it is you save and who it is you don't save and how do, how do you live with that, I think is, to me, would be a very interesting Superman story. Are you sitting down? 
I know, you are sitting down. I but am, I just yeah, did I that for down. dramatic uh, effect. Should I stand up and then... No, on. no. I, uh, yep. Sit down. All right, this All right. is good. good. Yeah. It's really easy to do Superman. And there's a blueprint. It's called Ted Lasso. Mm. Ted Lasso is a guy who comes <laughs> along, who does his best and doesn't always quite get across what's happening. But mm. And sometimes things go against him. And even when he makes mistakes, mm. he learns from it and he continues to do his best. That is Superman. It's really easy. It's really easy to do him. He's a great character. He's just done poorly. And, I mean, it's, and we're going through... Ted, Ted, Ted Lasso is a fish out of water. Yeah. And the problem is, is that we've had two... Superman is a fish out of water. Right. And the problem is, is that we've just had too many people, like, superhero movies are going through their tedious teenage stage where mm. everything's like, oh, yeah, fuck, how mm. good would it be if it was dark? And then, you know, he stuck his dick in his ass and exploded. And then, you know, <laughs> stuck his finger in someone else's pussy. And fuck, that went horribly wrong. And then she, you know, did super menstruation. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, great, 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 great. Yeah, yeah. That, that's your teenage years. And uh, once we kind of push through that, then we'll be able to uh, actually take Superman and do something good with him because if you go back and actually watch the Christopher Reeve Superman he is funny he's you know he's uh, smart he's sincere he's heroic he does all of those things and uh, it's a it's a lack of wit and intelligence that has put Warner Brothers in this situation where they don't know what to do with him I mean even if you wanted to do a Superboy story that's in between him discovering his powers and him being like, you know, the sort of Superman character that we all know, where he has a few wilderness years where he's just exploring how he can best use his superpowers. Yeah. So you just see him like, you know, working in a whole bunch of different jobs, like going, should I be like working behind the scenes or in front? Like, is it better to work inside the tent or outside the tent? Yeah. Like, like really exploring like a coming of age story in between Superboy and Superman. As a Superboy becomes a Superman. Do a, uh, you know, do Godfather Part 2. You have the current story uh, taking place mm. now and have the story in the past that helps you understand why he's making the decisions he's making now. That's good. All right, that's good. I like that. I'm ready that's to go. Good. Give me yeah. a call, Warner Brothers, you pieces of shit. <laughs> okay, here's what I don't want for this. I don't want de-aging. No. I, I, I actually want to go back to two different um, people playing the part. Yes. So... If you're going to cast, so let's say Superman is like older, like, you know, like he looks older, like he's a yeah, middle-aged Superman. Can he okay. be middle-aged? Does he get older? Yeah. And what's yeah. the Superman? Because he obviously gets older from a boy to a man, but once he gets to be a man, does Superman always stay the same age or does he age like does is there a point where superman's like a 70 year old looking dude but who still has superpowers yeah he gets it you know like he he ages better than uh, most of us but uh yeah. <laughs> he get he gets he gets some gray in the hair for sure yeah okay so that's good all right so you i want two different actors then so you're going to yeah. cast this movie um you need someone to be like an 18 19 20 year old superman and then you need someone to be like a 40 50 year old superman who are who are those two actors yeah so that's a really good question you know um if we wanted someone uh i know he's getting bandied around for mr fantastic but i think uh, john krasinski uh, uh -huh. is a really good handle on it because i don't necessarily want a superman who stands there with his hands on his hips going look at me and yeah. look at my physique i want a guy who's impervious is 
really relaxed because he's never worried that something's going to come along and hit him. Like he's always got, you know, he's leaning back. He's got, you know, one elbow on the knee kind of thing. And I think Krasinski I mean, can do that. Is it too on the nose to shoot the Daily Planet scenes single camera office style? <laughs> like you know what I mean well, then, so that, like so Lois can be like you know explaining something or whatever and then suddenly you just see Clark you know look directly into the camera and raise his eyebrows you know I don't want Clark to do that but I definitely want Andy, <laughs> I definitely want Andy Samberg as Jimmy Olsen to do it <laughs> I want I want Jimmy Olsen to always be looking at the camera as if to say has anyone ah Where's Clark and why is Superman here yeah. all of a sudden? I feel like that would you be... You know what? One. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that Jimmy Olsen is kind of in on it, but just in a very, like, knowing to the camera, Andy Samberg way. Okay, so Andy yeah. Samberg is older Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, we've, so everyone's John a bit Krasinski, older. John Krasinski is older Superman, but who is... Then if Krasinski is older Superman, who is younger Superman? Yeah, now that is where we get tricky, don't we? Uh, yeah. Because there's, there's obvious people to go, and I think they're all a little bit too obvious. Um, you know, I do love uh, Timothy Chalamet. Uh-huh. I think he's wonderful, but... Um, <laughs> You'd have to explain how he turned into John Krasinski. Well, <laughs> like, that'd have to be. Yeah. Or do you put some prosthetics on Chamolet? Uh, like, do you put, like, I, Krasinski's nose and stuff on, on Chamolet's face? Yeah, you know what? Like, I don't mind a little bit of, um, uh, you know, what they did with Bruce Willis in and uh, yeah. in Looper. You know, just a few little things. And that, JGL. Yeah. yeah. You do the nose. Yeah. And a few mannerisms. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or um, it, it's you sit Shamalay down with all seven seasons of the American Office or whatever it is, and you say you watch this, yeah. and then you come in and you do this part, Timothy. Yeah, and he'd be great. I, I would have him for okay. for anything. Yeah. Well, let's have a. Look. Um, wonder who else? Is is I wonder if any of the. Um, what about if we wanted to go really younger? What about Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things? Finn, oh, is he the, the, I've never watched, well, that's not true. I watched like the first couple episodes of Stranger Things. And you, I was li like, you listened to the first few episodes and went, God. <laughs> watched a couple of YouTube clips <laughs> and <laughs> explained what was going on. <laughs> and you're totally um, across it. No, I, I watched the first couple of episodes. I was very aware that Stranger Things was um, uh heavily reliant on recreation of iconic moments and you know times and that was part of the appeal of the show yeah. and so I sat down and gave it my full and unbridled attention for two yeah. whole episodes and I was like that was enough that'll do pig <laughs> that'll do <laughs> I have yeah. got the hang of what this is yeah so did you did you see uh, who Finn Wolfhard is? Like think I uh, say so is he the dorky uh, like kind of one who's they put in every other movie? He seems to be getting quite a few films uh, yeah, of late. Yeah, and he, no, that's yeah, no, he could definitely be young Krasinski. That's a that's a good choice. Finn yeah. Wolfhard is yeah, and you could see him working as a sort of like because he's actually got a bit of a Superman-y look. Yeah, but very much like if you, you get him to do a little bit of weights. 
Like, do you know what I mean? Like, but not the full Marvel makeover that every actor yep. seems to do. You're like, you'd say to him, you're not going the full Kamal. No. Like, Kamal got too fit yep. and they didn't even let him take his shirt off. Yep. We don't want your Kamal fit. This is like, that's yep. <laughs> when you've, you've got Kamal, that's too far. Yep. Somewhere between how you are now and how Jack Kamal got. Yeah. Like the halfway point. That's what we need from you. Yeah. You, we, we don't want Krasinski to be too Jack either. We just want him to nah. look... We we want him to look like Brad Pitt's body in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he took off his shirt and it just looked like he'd been helping his mates move house every weekend for the last 16 years. That's all yes. we want. Yeah, all we want you to do is look as jacked as Brad Pitt. Yeah. But, like, not Brad Pitt, Fight Club Brad no, Pitt. No, no, no. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Brad Pitt, which is in his 50s, which will be perfect for Krasinski in his 40s. And, and then I'm thinking uh, I want... Uh, Lois Lane has to be, yes. I reckon, the most interesting person in the world to have the perfect man yes. fall in love with her. So I'm, yes, I agree. I'm going to go to an old love. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to Kate Winslet. I mean, it's fine. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's wrong with Kate Winslet? She's got to be a journalist. She's got to be... She's got to have a, you know, she's got to be, uh, have a few flaws as well, but she's got to be funny. She's got to be able to stand up to tough guys and, and not be pushed around. I mean, I agree with all that and I love Kate Winslet, but I just don't, it doesn't feel right. Is it too on the nose to well, cast Emily like Blunt? Well, I feel like we're going a little bit cast Emily Blunt. Because Krasinski and her, obviously, in a real-life relationship, maybe they bring that chemistry to the screen. They look natural as a couple because they are a real-life couple. Like, she's a good actress. Oh, yeah, no, I, I love her as well. I, look, I kind of went away from her just because she's being picked to do uh, Reed Richards' wife, Sue. So it felt like... Okay. So that's kind of why I went in a different direction there. Well, I mean, that makes sense, though. That, that, I mean, look, we're not getting this movie made, so fuck it. Like, we don't have to worry about the fact that she's been cast in other things. We can cast her in this movie. Well, what about Zoe Saldana? She's always good in big-budget films. Mm. She always okay. uh, uh, stands out in ensemble blockbusters, which is a very difficult thing to do. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's very good. Actress. Don't mind it. Feels That feels like... A good bit of casting, yeah. actually. Um, so I've, so got then, a, I've got a suggestion for Lex. Okay, great. So I want Lex to be Jack. He's got to be the guy who's working out too much. Uh, he's got to be okay. the guy who's always posing uh, because he's the one who actually has the chip on his shoulder. Joe Rogan. You read my mind. No? I, uh... I mean, don't, don't, don't dismiss it out of hand, guys. We think we can get Joe Rogan for Lex Luthor. I feel like he could pull it off. Well, maybe, maybe Lex is a podcaster now. Right. Because, I mean, as the biggest podcast in the world, has contacts with all this, like, disinformation and misinformation, is, yep. like, making all this money, yep. like, is looking to launch some sort of, like, power. Yeah. I feel like... Because they... I mean, the Eisenberg thing, they were trying to, like, do a take on that Lex Luthor would be, I think, you know, a, a tech genius, right? right. Like a... Like, 
and I get that. Yeah. That seems like the play. But every movie has a fucking villain who's like an Elon Musk or a Steve Jobs or yeah. whatever these days. So I find that a bit boring. Yeah. But what about Joe Rogan? I don't mind like Joe Rogan. We cast Joe Rogan. And just let him be Joe. Let Joe be Joe. Just say, like, don't even tell him that he's in the Superman. <laughs> right. Just um, just uh, edit around him. <laughs> just do your usual bullshit. Yeah. And we'll, you do your five hours a day yeah. and we'll just find the three minutes we need. Thanks, Joe. Oh, yeah. We only need him for cameos here and there. Well, I was going to go yeah. Fassbender, Michael Fassbender, because he oh, is yeah, okay. physically, you know, a specimen and... Mm. Uh, uh, I, I once interviewed him briefly when I was doing uh, some commercial radio stuff, and he is super charismatic. <laughs> it was uh, uh, it I, was pretty overwhelming. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> if I mean, look, it's a different direction to Rogan. Yeah. And I feel like if Rogan's in it, we can guarantee like fifty million opening weekend box office like people coming to see it. Yeah. Like if Joe tells his fans to come and see the movie. Now I'm the studio. Now I'm like, this is how we get it made. Yeah. We pitch it to Joe Rogan. Yeah. I bet Joe Rogan's looking for a project. Oh, right. Joe Rogan's. Joe Rogan is Lex Luthor. Maybe we, maybe it's like, like we call it Lex. It's like Joe Rogan. It's like well, kind of we pitch it to Joe why, that it's like through. Why don't we do this? Why don't we for our mm. Superman movie have Fastbender yeah. and then go the Walking yeah. Phoenix Joker route for oh, Lex? Perfect. Perfect. That's exactly what we do. So yeah, yep. Fastbender in the in the blockbuster. Yeah. But then we make this Todd Phillips esque. Yeah. Um, King of comedy and, uh, Lex crossover. <laughs> I mean, who is the king of comedy, right? Right. It is fucking Joe Rogan in this day and age. It is. Joe Rogan is Lex. Yeah. Oh, mate, you would, you would get that made if yep. you could get Joe Rogan to agree to it. Yeah. And you and you had a script for it. I bet there would be somebody who would write the check for you to make that movie. Yeah. I'm fine though. Like I'm. <laughs> <laughs> my my rent went up. Well, you know, I'll I'll deal with it. And uh, by the way, uh, for Perry White, I've got uh, I'm, I'm bringing in Clooney as an old oh, yeah, newspaper cool. newspaper man. Yeah, well, his dad was a journalist, right? Yeah, yeah so he gets to bring um, in all that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I mean, why not? If we're making a movie, you might as well get George Clooney involved. In fact, Brad Pitt can be in it too, just for fun. Yeah, as um, as, as Perry's old mate. <laughs> I reckon Brad Pitt would actually be a great grown-up version. Of one of Superman's childhood, over, uh, like so, Pete he Ross. has some like Pete, Pete Ross yeah. from Smallville. There you go. Right, yeah, adult Pete Ross from Smallville. Yeah, Brad Pitt and uh, and Reese Witherspoon as Lana Lang. Yeah, <laughs> this movie sounds great. <laughs> that does sound good. Hey, Warner Brothers, look how easy it is. We've already uh, we've already cast it, and it already sounds better than anything. Get, get us some insurance. Yeah. We, like we don't even have to make ours. Yeah, Just we're, we're <laughs> happy not to make it as well. <laughs> if you want to pay us not to make this, we are ready to sign on the dotted line. We won't even complain. <laughs> we won't even like it won't even cost you ninety million. Like we'll do this for like nine million. Yeah, nine million not to make this movie. That's all we need. You yep. can write it off. Yep. Yep, we're good to go. I'm writing now. Uh, tell me what's been going on in the Big Squid universe. Oh, we just finished our uh, fifth season. So we just finished a, a whole run on uh, our Deep Dive Director series was on David Lynch. And that was uh, a really fun series to go back through all of his films. What was your favourite in, like, in rewatch? So my favourite David Lynch film is Lost Highway. But... 
the film that I did the 180 spin on was the Twin Peaks movie Firewalk With Me, which when I saw at the cinema, I hated. And then I realised yeah, upon rewatching it that I didn't get it. And it's actually a masterpiece. <laughs> and it feels good. I, um... It feels good to, you know, rewatch something and go, oh, I just... I just wasn't smart enough because I wanted it to be something that it wasn't and rather than me watching it for what it was, I was like, eh, this isn't doing what I wanted do, it to do. Do you know the only movie that I've ever walked out of? Are you, like, do you know what movie is the movie, the only movie that I've ever walked out of? Well, I'm, is, it, is it Fire Walk with me? No. No? Is it a David no, Lynch I, film? I, I, just, I just wondered if you knew what the movie was, if I told you this story before, but no. I, I'm not sure that I would have. No. So I, I can't even remember. I think Julia Roberts might be in this movie. Right. Um, maybe Meryl Streep or like one of those style actors. Um, it was a very critically... Uh, I'd been on a two-week hike in Tasmania for the Duke of Edinburgh Awards when I was at school. And we got back to Melbourne and we were getting a train down to the country, but we had to spend the afternoon in town. And so a bunch of people who'd been on this hike together decided they were going to go and see this movie. And I still, to this day, I've never tried to re-watch this movie. And I just don't know whether it was because I'd been in the wilderness for two weeks and I was just in a movie and it was too much or just <laughs> I hated this movie so much. But I... Walked out of the cinema halfway through. I was like, I cannot watch this anymore. This is the worst film I've ever seen. August Osage County is the movie. Oh. With no, Meryl Streep. That, 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 well, that wasn't the movie. Oh, wasn't it? Mer no. Meryl Streep, Julian Roberts? I know, I, yeah, so I might be getting that confused maybe with who was in this movie. So, But it's a... Oh. Take that movie as an inspiration. I think that movie is what I imagine this movie that I walked out of is also like. <laughs> so that's a good clue. You're in the right zone. I wasn't really thinking of that. Um, I'll give you uh, a clue. The title has um, flowers in it. Is that a good clue? The title has flowers in it. Flowers in the flower. Attic? Yeah, no. No, a, a type of flower is one of the... Uh, um, and... Uh, the other one is a metal, a, met, a metal and a flower. Far out, metal, uh, full, full metal flower. <laughs> no, I'm that, not that, saying that, the words metal that, and that Stanley flower Kubrick in it. film. <laughs> I'm saying that the first word is a metal of some kind, right. and the second word is a flower of some kind. Uh, iron. Uh, um, yes, iron. that's the sort of thing. Yeah, but not iron. Not Think iron. of another metal. Heavy. No, another metal. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, copper, copper orchid. No. Have you ever seen but copper yes, orchid? But now you're now you're guessing in the right format, which is yeah. what I'm enjoying. So yeah. that's good. Is it uh, the well-known 1960s classic Zinc yeah. Daffodil? Zinc Daffodil. You remember yeah. that? It is not Zinc Daffodil. It sounds like a great movie, but right. it is not Zinc Daffodil. Robert Redford and uh, Barbara Streisand both both <laughs> work with Zinc and Daffodils. That's <laughs> their store. It's great. Uh, one, of, one of them dies of poisoning? Of Daffodil poisoning, though. That's a weird yeah, thing. It's, it's, you do not see it coming. 
Uh, gee, wow. I do not know. Um, and by the way, do you remember or are you trying to... Yes. Oh, right. Okay. No, I wasn't I, sure. I know what the title of this movie is. I'm just... Uh, Pierce Brosnan played a character who had the same last name as the metal. Uh, I was about to say Mamma Mia. Um... <laughs> Technically not a good film, but if you go and see it with Adam Richard, uh, Toby Sullivan and uh, the rest of the talking puffy gang, (laughs) it's a delightful uh, experience. Yeah, Um, exactly. Oh, God, I have no idea. Um, Um, Let me uh, give you another clue. Um, the, The Flower has also been the title of another more modern movie. So The Flower Alone was just also the title of a movie. Um, If it didn't win Academy Awards, then it was definitely robbed. If this movie did not win Academy Awards, it was definitely robbed. Blue Jasmine? No, that's not it. (laughs) Is blue a type of... It's a type of... Yeah, it's a depressed one. Everyone yeah, knows so. that. Yeah. Uh, I'll put you out of your misery, even yeah, as much please. as I'm enjoying this. Please. Steel Magnolias. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how. For some reason, for some reason, I thought of Steel Magnolias really early and then was too busy piss farting about and then I never came back to it. Yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, all the clues make sense in retrospect when you know the yeah. answer. Well, no, <laughs> no, no. I, work as close. No, it's funny. I had actually thought of Still Magnolias, but I was t- too busy commending mm. myself on uh, all my hilarious uh, suggestions. So, do, have you seen Still Magnolias? Yeah, I saw it at the cinema. I thought it was good. Yeah, so that's the one that I am going to read. Oh, so, Julia Roberts was in it. Yeah. No, no. Uh, Dolly Parton, yes, absolutely. Olympia Dukakis, Shirley yep. MacLaine, yep. Sally Sally Field. It's a, it's an all star cast of Daryl Hannah, and also it's Julia Roberts on on the way. It's not Julia Roberts as a star. Mm. She's um, I think by this stage she's probably only done things like Mystic Pizza and stuff like that. Yeah, I just could not stand it. So, yeah. do you think that if I do you think if I watch that again, I might revisit and have a different opinion? Probably not. Well, then I won't. (laughs) Time well spent. (laughs) It just doesn't seem like a a type of movie. It's cleared up a couple of hours. That's great. Really feel like I bought myself a couple of hours. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. (laughs) But it is a a thrilling moment to be watching something Mm. and realize that you just weren't right you know you you were watching it incorrectly and i uh, mm. so that was probably the most exciting thing about the um the the david lynch uh, rewatch and we're just yeah i i the first time i saw fight club i hated it yeah and then i grew to actually really admire it as a film and now i i think i probably never need to watch it again like it's i've been on a real journey with that film but uh i remember hating it the first time and then watching it the second time and going oh yeah i was wrong no no this like this is good yeah like this is a good film this is like a well-made you know um super entertaining super provocative super interesting film and then i think the people who got too into the film or misunderstood the point of the film 
spoiled the film a bit for me as well. So, yeah, so, uh, so in preparation for the next season of the podcast, uh, mm. I've started getting ahead of uh, the movies that we're watching. We do a segment called Space Podacy where we watch uh, old mm. sci-fi films, and I was re-watching Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and it's funny. QAnon and shit like that have ruined that film because <laughs> QAnon is Richard Dreyfus <laughs> freaking yeah, out about right. stuff and needing yeah. answers and not trusting the government. And it's like, man, you guys have fucked Close Encounters. You've ruined the X-Files. You've just taken all this really good conspiracy stuff and just, boo, tainted it. Yeah, that was, that was, that was my thing with Contagion when I rewatched that. That's the um, Matt Damon, yeah. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow one, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, I, I watched that for Pete Hallier's podcast at the start of the pandemic. And the only thing they got wrong was Jude Law's character that at the time I think people thought was a bit over the top was oh, nowhere man. near over the top enough. I was like, it wouldn't just be one lone like conspiracy theory reporter trying to cash in all this. Like Jude Law in the real life version of it, Jude Law was president of the United States. Yeah. Like it was much bigger than the movie could have ever imagined. They actually got a lot of the science around the virus and stuff. Absolutely yeah. dead on. The only thing that they didn't get right was yeah. Conspiracy theories have been ruined. Yeah. Like, and I quite like a conspiracy theory oh, and conspiratorial great. thinking. Like, great fun. Yeah. But, yeah. Ruins. Absolutely ruined. ruined. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw someone recently tweet um, about the Marvel Universe going, oh, you know, people disappear for five years and no one talks about it. Like, well, this is a bullshit series. Then looks around in 2022. Oh, yeah, no, no, they got it right. That's how everyone yep, deals yep. with it. <laughs> That's right. Just we're goes just... back to normal. Right. What about that time it, we blipped out? True. No, 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 we're all good. We don't talk about that. I mean, it's incredible. Like, I mean, it's just incredible to be living through the times we're living through where we know that, you know, you, we started this by you talking about the fact that you, you know, staying inside, getting a PCR test, you're doing all these things because of the virus and the pandemic. Yeah. This idea that we're also at the same time being forced as a world to just get on with things and yeah. like, and I'm not even saying that's the wrong approach. Right. I, I'd love us to be more careful and be encouraged to mask up and, you know, be more socially responsible. I actually think that would be good, but mm. I don't think we should be locking everyone down again or anything. Like it, there is a point where you do have to find some way to move forward, but no one really told us we were going to have to do that. Like that we were going to have to live with this cognitive dissonance of like, Oh no, this is just the world now. Mm. Like everything changed. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if everyone's got their head around the fact that everything changed forever. Yeah. It's all different. Yeah. And it's never going to be the same again. Yeah. Big ways, little ways, ways that you will never acknowledge or, you know, but nothing can ever possibly be the same again. Yeah. We are all changed fundamentally <laughs> in ways that we do not expect. Like we all change all the time. Yeah, but like this is that we're all. But th this was a collective yeah. change. And there's people who own up to it, and there's people who, no, no, I'm good. I'm still the same person that I was before. Twitch, mm. twitch, yink, yink, you know. Well, seem yeah. to be a bit angry about something that's not worthwhile being angry about. You know, all all of that. Yeah. I, Who am I? What do I do? Like, like, what do I, like, that process of evaluation. Mm. Like, I think, you know, I mean, it really feels like to me that 
you know, if we're talking about the economy and getting people to, like the training we should be putting into mental health and therapists and these sort of things is like, that's going to be the growth area era of like the next few years is like just having people deal with the collective trauma that we've all been through. And if you had your own traumas already, and then we just like piled this collective trauma on top. And then we just went, good luck with that. Please don't read the instructions. We're giving no more guidelines. You're on your own now. Good luck with everything. I'm sure it's going to turn out fine. It's going to be great. And, you know, the the best thing is, you know, what I'm really appreciating is, uh, you know, the way things aren't expensive as well. Like, that's been really good. that's great. So I've been paying private health insurance for a long time. And I'm with a company that I did not choose to be with. But Mm -hmm. but the company I was originally with got bought out, then got bought out, got bought out. And this is where I am. And so uh, I went to the dentist and for a clean and a checkup, it was $290. $92 and my health insurance I looked at it and went these motherfuckers I'm going to be lucky if I get $50 and I was correct because I got 24 and uh, <laughs> oh my god and you know in the same week that I got a, a quarterly tax bill an end of the year tax bill and my rent went up by $45 a week and you know what I'm remarkably fine like I'm remarkably good like I do look like post-popularity Eddie Vedder, but it is, I'm comfortable with that as well. Well, that's, but but that is also the other thing. It's like, sometimes that'll be the choice that people make. Yeah. It's like going, I'm, it's fine. Like, I'm going to handle this and this is like a world that I can handle and I'll, I'll work it all out. Yeah. I think, I think that's smart. Yeah. Well, like if you can almost only do like, you know, only kind of, because there's so many things to worry about. Yeah. That the and you worrying about most of the big things in the world that it, like there's a small amount of effect that we can have on any of those big things. Like, you know. So kind of just going, "Oh, well, here's my stuff that I have to deal with and I'm not going to let it freak me out too much." Seems like a very melt- mentally healthy place for you to be. Yeah, you know, I'm weirdly really motivated. And so uh, I'm just working on a whole lot of things. And who knows if they'll ever get made. But, you know, I turn on the news. I see that China's doing all of these uh, military exercises just inside of Taiwan's uh, borders as a response to Pelosi uh, visiting that uh, that uh, little island. And, and I've, you know what, I've written a fucking delicious 20 pages of my screenplay. That's what I've done. <laughs> and it's, what am I going to do? There's nothing I can do except do what I enjoy doing and that's why I do the podcast and that's why I'm writing all of this stuff and that's why I'm heading back into stand-up and things like that. I may as well be creative as the as the world falls apart because that's something that I can handle. I agree. Like I was talking about whether I would do a com- like a new tour next year because obviously I've just put the old tour to bed and part of the reason that yeah. I did put it to bed is that I wanted to start thinking about what's next because i knew that i had to write a covid show yeah i knew that i had to do it so that i could move on to like because i knew that covid wasn't going to move on so i knew that i needed to move on so i needed to say what i needed to say about that and get that out of the way but i didn't need to spend a year and a half like touring that show either that's fine i'm actually Mm. i did it like 30 35 times that's literally all i got to do the show that's fine that's Mm. like i wrote it i did it i had a fun time doing it but i want to think about what's next and part of the reason I want to think about what's next is that, yeah, 
I'm like you. I'm not sure how long the the world's going to be around for. Like, no point me saying that I'm going to fucking like do my great piece of art in 2024. Who knows what fucking 2024 is going to bring? I've got to like, may as well fucking do it now, right? Yeah, who knows what's going to be happening in 24 hours, that is. So, you know. Yeah. Or the TV show 24, which they're bringing back. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would. <laughs> It'd probably be quite relaxing in comparison to everything else. So, yeah, so it is uh, it is one of those things where you just go, well, I'll deal with what I can deal with. Uh, I am luckily... I am debt-free, and so that means when stuff comes along that (laughs) sideswipes you financially, you just go, oh, well, roll up your sleeves and, uh, you know, get into it. Even tonight, having to cancel that gig in the off chance that I might have COVID is costing me money, but it is, it's the right thing to do, and sometimes you just got to fucking suck it up. You are doing stand-up, though. Uh, let's give those dates a plug. Uh, Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide, you're doing your new era of stand-up. Well, uh, Adelaide, we're doing the live Big Squid oh, show. Oh, sorry, yes. Yep. Yes, that's right. Yes. With, um, with Rove and Tom Gleeson and the fabulous Adam Richard coming out of semi-retirement to perform for us. And uh, <laughs> uh, all our exes are from Texas is um, Georgia Mooney. Ben Elwood coming down to Adelaide for the first time. Limo and Mickey D and making his big squid debut is a young William J. Anderson. So that'll be a lot of fun. And then I'm doing a solo show uh, at the Sydney uh, Comedy Store on the 28th of October and at Comedy Republic on the 26th of November. My first show, solo show in three years and also my first solo show in uh, in melbourne in uh, in a long time since 1835 well i recommend that people snap up tickets please don't go along and say like yell out fit costanza why would you um, even say that jerry definitely don't do that <laughs> no buy tickets go and say justin uh you will absolutely love it thank you for doing this tonight justin i, I very you. much appreciate it as usual no worries thank you